This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Your best shout ever. On the screen is coming Acts chapter 2, starting to read in verse 22. It's a New Living Translation. You can follow along or you can read along with me. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself. For he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. Can you give God a shout of praise for the reading of the worm? Let's go to the Lord in prayer as Pastor David comes to share the word. Father, thank you today for the word that we've heard, for the worship that we've had. And now we just ask you to prepare our hearts for the message that you've put on Pastor David's heart for us as a house. I pray that we receive it, that our ears hear it well. And it goes on good ground today. It prepares our heart for communion. It prepares us to respond back and to say, Lord, what do you want us to do? We bless now the preaching of the word. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Will you shout amen? Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Good morning. So, I have known Mark for a very, very long time, since, as he said, since the mid-80s. We have um, a lot of memories together, uh, youth group stories where games went wrong, and um, mission trips. One of my favorite thoughts, though, really, is if you say Mark Evans, one of the things that comes to mind is a mission trip we did to Juarez, Mexico. And in Mexico... Um, they, they don't get a cement truck to come and bring you cement. You, you build a basically a cement volcano on the ground and you stir it with shovels until you have this big old patty of cement that about, the, about the size of the middle of the stage here. And somehow Mark got in a wrestling match. Was that with uh, Jesus Mendez? Or, anyway, so picture mud wrestling in, in a big cement patty. And, you know, with gravel and the whole deal. And so he's, uh, he's wrestling and covered from head to toe in, in cement. And then uh, later he's walking around. He's rinsed his, he's showered off, he's rinsed off, and he's walking around. His T-shirt is, is solid. It's like a board. Walking around, hold his T-shirt. It's hanging out here like this because it won't bend, won't fold. I think we ended up throwing that one away because it was... That was over. But um, I, I knew Mark before he and Robin became a thing. Tells you how long that was. So I got to watch him be uh, head over heels 
for that girl. And um, so we've been around. Good times. So anyway, I'm here with my wife, Elena. Uh, we have three children. Our oldest turns 31 soon. Our youngest, our middle one's 26. Our youngest is 18. I often say we have uh, two wonderful children and the other one. And we just let them guess. But, um, and then we have two grandkids, which is the best thing ever. You guys are entering into this grandparent phase. Best thing ever. If we could have just skipped ahead to grandkids first, that would have been so awesome. So we have our two. Um, I didn't get a chance to give them a picture to put up on the screen and just boast, but we'll do that later. Um, anyway, so kids are awesome. Grandkids are better. And uh, it, is great to, it is great to be here. Um, I actually have a, a Douglasville connection. I was telling Carol this, uh, is Carol, right? Gail. Gail, I'm sorry. I was telling Gail this um, earlier. My, uh, my dad grew up in Douglasville, graduated from Douglas County High School or whatever they called it back in the mid-50s. Think uh, happy days. He wasn't the Fonz, but you know, maybe like Richie or Potsy or something. But um, So uh, we, uh, a fair number of my family is buried in the cemetery out on 78. And uh, we still have some family land out that way. So in, in a certain way, this is coming home to me. I spent summers in Douglasville on the farm picking tomatoes and picking up watermelons and whatever back in the day. So uh, anyway, so it's nice to be here and uh, be with you guys. Um, love Mark and Robin. Those of you that are part of this church, y'all are blessed. It's good, uh, good place, good time, good people. And um, his, his, in fact, your dad water baptized me back in 1980, I can't remember, and um, that's an official number, by the way, and um, so anyway, so Gene uh, baptized me back at New Covenant, we were married at New Covenant, where we're the pastors now, and we're just having, we're just having a time, so bless the Lord, so today, I want to talk to you guys about, I, I guess I'm going to give you my bottom line, if you will, my bottom line is we need, as believers, to learn to be led of the Spirit, and you hear the Holy Spirit in your spirit, not in your brain. Okay, sometimes we get really confused because we're, it's like we're straining and we're striving to hear what the Holy Spirit's leading us to do, but we're doing that in our, in our brain and not in our spirit, man. Okay? And so, and we're not, we are not begging God to talk to us. I believe God always wants to talk to you. Before every, before every purchase, every business deal, every arrangement, every left turn or right turn, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and guide you through life. You're not begging him to talk to you. You are tuning your spiritual radio, if you will, to, to get the signal of what he's trying to say to you. But he's always wanting to talk to you. We should learn to listen. It will save you grief along the way. So where we're going to start today is in the book of Hosea. I was, um, I was praying a couple weeks ago, and, and I just really felt like the Lord said, go to, go to Hosea. And I thought, oh, yeah, cool. I got a starting point. And then I went and got the Bible and looked at Hosea, and I went, oh, great. This is awkward. <laughs> I forgot what Hosea was about. So uh, for those who don't remember what Hosea is about, Hosea was the prophet that married the prostitute, which is a living parable of God's eternal, unfailing love for a people that were all boneheads, okay? Now, the fact that this prophet married a prostitute does not give you permission to do the same, okay? And I really wish, I kind of wish I had been there when Hosea went to his, whoever his spiritual mentor was and says, you know, hey, um, I think I found the one. She's, she's that prostitute on the corner down there. And I think I need to marry her. I mean, could you imagine what that conversation would have been like? You know, Pow, stupid, don't do this. But uh, he does it anyway. He marries this, this woman, Gomer, not Pyle. And, um, and she is, she's, uh, she's a prostitute. And after they're married for a season, she, she goes back to her harlotry ways and so we're going to jump into Hosea chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. I'm reading out of the NIV and um, just, I don't know, just because I like it and I understand all the words. And so uh, we're going to be in NIV for, uh, for today. But Hosea chapter 3, I'm going to read a couple of verses in which um, 
Well, we'll just read it. It says this, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, because she'd wander away, though she, has, she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Gentiles. And that would, if you're a paper Bible user, you would underline that. That is sort of the key point in the entire book of Hosea. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. And I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with another man. And I will behave the same way toward you. And we'll stop there. So, so I want you to get this picture. So here's Hosea. He's married. She's wandered back to her ways. He goes. And, and what he, the way he acts towards her is the same way that Jesus acts towards you. He purchased her to be intimate with her and to be faithful to her. That is the same thing Jesus did on the cross. Jesus purchased you so that you could have a relationship of intimacy and have a relationship that is faithful to the end. Now, we live in a day and age in which a lot of Christians are not living faithful. We Christians, we've grown cold. We've uh, got distracted. We... We can't camp on any and every excuse we can find not to follow after God, not to be faithful to God. But Hosea, throughout the entire book, he is speaking to us that we need to not be cold. We need to be on fire for the Lord. We need to not be, be harlots spiritually, chasing after adulterous worldly ways. We need to be pure. We need to be pray, prayerful. We need to be faithful. And if we, if we really get serious as New Testament Christians, the reason that Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit was to woo us back into this relationship because you and I, our nature is to wander away into trouble. That's your nature. If left to your own devices, every one of us will be in trouble today, right? I mean, I'm not going to raise our hands, but how many of us are experts at getting in trouble? That's what we do, right? And so, so the Holy Spirit is here to woo us back into this relationship. Jesus has paid a price, and the Holy Spirit is coming and saying, don't follow this harlotry way. Come back, and let's be intimate, and let's be faithful in this relationship. So with that in mind, I want to jump now to John chapter 16. And there are, um, in John 16, or 14, 15, and 16, John, G John records Jesus' teachings about the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is with us today. Jesus is teaching us about it. Um, a lot of the things I learned about the Holy Spirit early on, I learned from June Evans who would, would teach all the time down at New Covenant when I was a college kid, and she was talking about the, the Holy Ghost, and um, she said stuff that just blew my mind because I didn't grow up in this. And she would say things, and I would just go, you've got to be kidding me. That's crazy. But it was real, and it was awesome. So I, I owe so much to them, to that relationship. But anyway, so John 16, we're going to look at Six different things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. Remember, my bottom line is I want you to learn to be led of the Lord in a, in a better fashion, in a better way. And so there's six things. I, in my mind, I divide them into two groups of three. So there's two uh, triplets of things that the Holy Spirit is going to do in you, who wants to do in you. So we're going to read some read sections, stop and talk, and we'll go. So John 16, if you will, verse 5, Jesus is speaking. He says, But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I said these things. But very Truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, paraclete, will not come to you, but I will go and I will send him to you. Stop. So think about this. Here's Jesus. Miracle-working son of God. Wouldn't that be awesome to like, get an internship with Jesus? Right? 
I mean, wouldn't that be, that'd be the best? It's like, you know, hey, Jesus, what are we doing today? And she's looking at you, and she goes, hey, we're going to you know, walk across the ocean over here and go minister to people on the other side. And you're like, ah, I'm not so sure I can handle that. And so, but that would be just really fun you just, to hang out with Jesus, to be with Jesus, especially, I mean, especially today. I mean, wouldn't that be fun today, social media age, hanging out with Jesus? Right, I'm going to do my Snapchat of Jesus healing this guy, you know, and I'm going to, you know, do my Instagram video of Jesus rebuking this Pharisee over here. That would be, that'd be fun, you know, and so, and so, you know, here's a picture. I'm going to send that to my friend. Look, Jesus is doing a miracle. Jesus walking on water and, um, you know, hashtag coolest thing ever. And, um, but Jesus said, even though it would be so awesome to be with him, it is better that he's gone. It's awesome to be with Jesus, but it's better. It is to your advantage that Jesus is gone because he's sending us the Holy Spirit. He sends us the paraclete, the advocate, which means to us that he is sending us one who speaks truth, who exhorts, who leads, who guides, who comes alongside, who's sympathetic of us. And so the Holy Spirit is going to do stuff in our lives that is better than actually walking with Jesus. Well, I want some of that. So let's see what he does. First set of triplets. I'm going to read verses 8 through 11. And when he comes, Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. Those are three things. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now, what I want to do is I want to unpack those three things, and we'll move on to the, to the second set of triplets. The first thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is to convict you of sin. That's something the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants you to see that you, in fact, have a sin problem, and Jesus is, in fact, always the answer to your sin problem. In fact, I, th I find it interesting that in verse 9, he says that about sin, because people do not believe in me, I want you to get this, every time you sin, that is an unbelief problem. This is big. Every time I sin, it's about unbelief in my heart. Okay? Hey, so, um, you know, I saw 20 bucks sitting in, in Mark's car, and so I, I reached over and I stole it. Why did I steal it? It's unbelief that I don't believe God has the power to provide for me. Therefore, I will provide for myself. You didn't really have 20 bucks in a car as an illustration, but anyway. Right? Every time that you and I sin, we're sinning because we are in unbelief. Every time. I, I lie to you because I don't trust that God can handle this situation, and so I'm going to handle it myself by giving you a mistruth. Is that, is that right? You make up excuses to tell your boss because you don't think God can handle the fact that you did whatever you did. Every time you sin, we could spend all day talking about this, but every time you sin, there is a root of unbelief. And the Holy Spirit wants to convict you of your unbelief so that you can walk in truth. And every time we sin, we walk into shame, right? Right? In the lyrics for the first song that you sang, shame is a prison. Now, I want to hear from the Holy Spirit. That's my bottom line. I want to hear from the Holy Spirit. But I'm in the shame prison because of my unbelief, which has led me into sin. And I'm saying, Holy Spirit, talk to me. But my shame is shutting that junk out. Does that make any sense? Okay, And so we need to understand that the Holy Spirit wants to come to convict you. And when he's convicting you, he's actually helping you. It hurts. I actually had a young person tell me the other day, because I, I quit reading the Bible because I got tired of being convicted. 
I'm like, bro, come over here. Let me punch you in the head. That's why you read the Bible. So the Holy Spirit has something to work with you on and convict you. And the Holy Spirit wants to convict you. And it does hurt, but it hurts well. Okay? The, the surgeon cuts you for your benefit. The thief cuts you for your harm. The thief will slash you in a back alley. The surgeon prepares you and cuts you for your well-being. That's conviction. The Holy Spirit wants to bring conviction into your life so that you, again, realize that, that you have a sin problem and that Jesus is the answer. Every one of us in this room, we have a sin problem. And Jesus is the answer for every one of us. And if the Holy Spirit is not working in me for conviction, then I will resist him. And we need to be at the place where we realize we need help. Okay? We need help. A couple of uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a guest speaker at our church. Uh, you remember Eldon Wilson? Brother Eldon still travels full-time preaching, and he is nine, 89 years old. On the road, full-time. Okay? Bless the brother. Now, our, our stage, I think we had four steps up to our stage. Well, he, he told me before service, he's like, I want you to help me up the stairs. Because he's 89 years old, getting a little wobbly, you know. And so, so I go over and I, I just kind of guide Brother Eldon up the stairs, and, you know, and get him. He's set and that's all good. But you know what? If, if this morning, if Victoria Kate came over to me and she helps me up, this, up on the stage, I would be offended. Okay? Because I don't need help. Getting up on this stage. I'm healthy. I'm young. We're going to tear it up. Don't you help me. You, ever, you see what I'm saying? You come up to me and go, hey, little old man, let me help you cross the street. We're going to fight. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to convict you of your sin so that he can help you. But we look at the Holy Spirit and we're like, hey, I don't need none of that. I don't need you to help me up the stairs, Holy Spirit. I got this. Sin is always the problem. Jesus is always the answer. And we need to get to the place in our lives where we realize we need help. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us. And when we don't let him help us, we get offended. We get offended. He's trying to talk to us. But the Holy Spirit wants to come and bring conviction to you. That's what he does. And those of us who have been forgiven much, we love much. But those of us who resist the Holy Spirit's conviction, love little. Because we love ourselves. The second thing the Holy Spirit does, and this confused me for a really long time to be totally honest with you. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us of righteousness. Now, I looked at that for a long time and kind of scratched my head and like, huh? Let me tell you what I think this means. The Holy Spirit convicts you of righteousness by telling you that your righteousness is useless. I'm not trying to offend y'all. But hey, guess what? Your righteousness, useless. And the Holy Spirit wants to convict you of that. Oh, no, 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 no. Hey, I, I show up early. I come to church early. I'm here every single Sunday. God's got to do some favors for me because I'm, I'm the best. No, your righteousness is useless. Your righteousness is worth nothing. And you know what? Well, you know what we see? We see a lot of people trying to save themselves with their own righteousness. Hey, Jesus, thanks for that deal on the cross you did, but I think I got this. Oh, you're in trouble. And the Holy Spirit wants to convict you of it. No, like I'm a, I'm a voracious Bible reader. I read the Bible through cover to cover every year, sometimes twice. I love to read my Bible. But then I, I find myself telling the people around me, oh, yeah, I, I finished this year. A little check mark for me, you know. A little pat on my back. I'm pretty awesome. And the Holy Spirit's like, 
your righteousness is a filthy rag. Oh, yeah, okay. So I can't save myself. And the Holy Spirit wants me to realize that I can't save myself. He wants me to get to a place where I realize that I cannot pay for my failures. We got some. But we can't pay for it. You cannot pay for your failures. You cannot pay for your mistakes. It's offensive to think that you can. We want to make it's like we want to make it on our own, and the whole and the Holy Spirit is, is trying to bless us, and we're refusing it. Okay. A couple a couple days ago, I took some of our college kids. Uh, we're George Southern is where we live, so a college town. We got college kids all over the place, and so I took a couple of the college kids out for. Um, I was going to lie and say it was coffee, but truthfully, it was really ice cream. And, um, yep, I just ratted myself out there. But, um, yeah, so much for that keto diet. There is no keto ice cream. They lie. But, um, so I took these college kids out for ice cream. And, um, and so, you know, I'm like, hey, you guys want some ice cream? Yeah, so we go over to, to Brewster's. You remember Brewster's, right? Mark's favorite is the Graham Central Station, if I remember. Yep, Okay. <laughs> So we're at the Brewsters, and, uh, and Valerie's in line, and Paola's in line. But little Hannah, she's sitting over by herself, and she's like, no, I don't need it. Say, you want some ice cream? I'm, I don't, I'm not going to buy it. I don't have any money. Well, I got money. And we ended up having a fight in front of Brewsters because I'm wanting to bless this girl with a $3.25 ice cream cup, and she's not wanting to receive it. And she's sitting back on how, you know, I'm, I'm a young, independent woman. I can take care of my own self. She's like, yeah, but I'm trying to bless you. No. And she's just like not receiving my ice cream. So I just picked one and gave it to her anyway. Let it melt and that be your own problem. But I think that sometimes we need to be convicted of our own righteousness because we're trying to righteous our own way into the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit wants to come to you and say, hey, guess what? Your righteousness is useless. Rest in the righteousness that Jesus provides. I don't need to strive for the kingdom. I need to receive it. And the Holy Spirit wants to make that real in my life. Every attempt that you and I make to atone ourselves is terrible. But every time we learn to receive from him, the Holy Spirit wants to come to you and just bring to your understanding the beauty and the perfection of the cross. That's, a, that's something the Holy Spirit does. He works at, you're, you're singing a song and, and we're, we're, you know, this is how I fight my battles and we're just, I fight my own battles. I got this going on. And the Holy Spirit's just like, hey, let him fight this battle for you. Let him do this in you. You just come along and enjoy the ride. Be free from striving. Conviction of sin, be free from shame. Conviction of righteousness, be free from striving. And the third thing is conviction of judgment. Conviction of judgment. Judgment comes when rules are broken. Judgment comes when rules are broken. And Satan has broken the rules and has established a world system that at the end of the day, it's all going to burn. And the more you and I get into the world system, the more in trouble we are. And the Holy Spirit wants to convict you of doing things the world way. And he wants to convict you so that you will receive what Jesus has done. The Holy Spirit wants to establish the rule and reign of Jesus in your life. That's his job. The Holy Spirit wants to establish the rule and reign of Jesus in your life. And there's so many things that we do in the world that are antithetical to Christ, which could also be restated as they are antichrist. And the Holy Spirit wants to convict you of that. No, we need to, we need to pray instead of fight. We need to trust him 
instead of doing it our own selves. And so the Holy Spirit works in this judgment scenario. And now my wife, um, in addition to working for the city and helping us with the church, she also is an interpreter in the court and a bilingual interpreter for uh, Spanish. And um, so she's in the courtroom frequently. I love to tell people, you know, hey, where's your wife? Oh, she's in jail. <laughs> dot, 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 interpreting. But I mean, I'm not going to say that part. But, um, you know, oh, she had, to, she had to go to court to interpret. But um, so in the, just picture a courtroom with me for just a second. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of judgment. So here's this courtroom scene the way I see this. You are guilty of your sins, and the Holy Spirit is the prosecuting attorney who stands up and says, this guy did this terrible thing. That's conviction of sin. And then your, your defense attorney is also the Holy Spirit who leans over to you and says, plead guilty because you did it. No, I want to fight this one. I want to declare that I'm innocent. No, 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 no. Just plead guilty. You sure? Yeah. So you plead, you know, he did this. Uh, Your Honor, I did that. Conviction of judgment. And God says, very good. Well, here's your sentence. But my son paid for it. And then the Holy Spirit is the bailiff who comes along and says, hey, you're free to go. And ushers you out the courtroom back into the streets. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you. And we're all trying to fight. Trying to fight and hide, lie, make it up, come up with some story, fool Perry Mason. And it's not going to happen. Just plead guilty and let Jesus pay your fine and walk out in freedom because he did because sin is always the problem and Jesus is always the answer. And he wants to convict your heart of the things that you have done and the righteousness that you've pretended so that you can be free from judgment and you can walk in everything that he has for you. The Holy Spirit works in you. The Holy Spirit works in you so that you can receive and understand and enjoy the power of the cross. Because until these first three things happen, this first set of triplets, until that happens, the cross is a story from history. It happened 2,000 years ago. It was somewhere in Jerusalem. There's a historical place where you can go and say... This was about where it was. The tomb, there's a garden there. That's a park. We can go there. Until the Holy Spirit works in you, that's just geography and history. The Holy Spirit wants it to come and become a reality. And reality is totally different. The Holy Spirit wants to make the the cross and the resurrection not a historical fact but a faith reality for you. And the deeper you understand that, the easier it is for you to hear from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because we're we're striving, Holy Spirit, please talk to me. Please talk to me. Please talk to me, Holy Spirit. You know, because I'm striving because I'm doing this, because I'm doing that. And I'm ignoring the fact that I sinned. And I'm ignoring the fact that my heart is all jacked up trying to get something to happen. And the Holy Spirit's just like, hey, just rest. Just rest. Just rest and receive. You guys, have you guys had this, this Situation maybe in work where you've got a problem that you need to, to solve. And so you focus on it, you focus on it, and you can't figure it out. Because you're in your focus, you're all, you're all tense about it. And you kind of go, Ugh, and then you walk away. And you go, you know, like you go down the hall, you know, go to the bathroom, go to the coffee, whatever. And you pour yourself a cup of coffee, and it's like, yeah. oh, because you've disassociated yourself with the issue. And then you, your creativity is unlocked so you can get it. Does that, does that make sense? The same thing happens spiritually. I'm striving to show God that I'm good enough to hear from him. And when I walk away and I walk into this relationship of intimacy that he purchased me out of my harlotry. He purchased me out of my harlotry so that I can just rest in him. And when I'm in this place of rest, then I'm free to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say. 
It's not striving, it's receiving. It's not striving, it's receiving. Is this making sense for everybody? Okay, back to John, John 16. I'm going to read verse 12 for two seconds. It says, I have much more to say to you, but it's more than you can bear. What was he talking about? I have no idea. I can guess, but it's more than we can bear. So we're going to skip and we're going to move on from there. So verse 13. So here we get into the second set of triplets. And as spirit-filled believers, this is what we're excited about. We're excited about the second set, but we're not going to live in the reality of the second set of triplets until we get into the first set that we've just talked about. Okay? So the second set looks like this, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, Jesus, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine, and that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me, and he will make known what he will make known to you. So the fourth thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do to you is he wants to guide you. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you because we've gone through the first conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We can live as sons and daughters and we can receive from him. If we don't go through the conviction of sin, judgment, and righteousness out of order, then we're not sons and daughters, we're slaves or rebels. But Romans tells me that God speaks to sons. Right in Romans chapter 8 says this, verse 13 and 14. If you live according to the flesh, not convicted of sin, you will, oh, that looks bad, you will die. Hmm, I don't think I want a part of that. But if the spirit, but if by the spirit you have put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now, we, we look at verse 14 and we go, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I'm children of God. But we can't ignore verse 13 that talks about us putting to death our misdeeds because we're convicted of sin, because we're convicted our righteousness is no good, and we're convicted that judgment comes if I play by the wrong playbook. This is making sense. So he wants to speak to you. He wants to guide you. He wants to have this conviction in your life. And sometimes we get all wound up praying for stuff that he doesn't even want us to be praying for because we're worldly and about it. We should be just trusting him and resting in him. And so he wants to guide you. That is his desire. His desire over all things. If you're a business person, he wants to guide you so that your business prospers. And everyone who's in business knows you make decisions that end up being painful. And oops, I wish I didn't do that. Well, if, we, if we're sons and daughters and we'll listen to the guiding of the Holy Spirit and we'll avoid that junk because he wants you to be blessed. We say things to our kids that we later regret. He wants to guide you in that. We do all kinds of stuff that we shouldn't because we're not allowing him to guide us. And I'm not begging him. I'm not coming to him. I don't come to the Father as a fearful slave. Excuse me, Master, would you please? I come to him as a son. Okay? I, come, I come to him as a son. You come to him as a son or a daughter. And you know, my, our son who lives in town with us, he just walks in our house. He doesn't live there. He hasn't lived there for four or five years. He walks in, goes right up the refrigerator, opens it up, says, you know, hey, can you make me cookies? <laughs> you know, I came home one day and our, my, our piano was gone because <laughs> he had come over to the house, let himself in, took the piano, took it back to his house. He just helps himself. <laughs> Why did I not call the police? <laughs> because he's a son. And what's mine is his, right? So he want, God wants to guide you as a son or a daughter. I'm not, I'm not begging and I'm not striving. I'm receiving. Holy Spirit, I know that you want to speak to me. So I'm just going to sit back here. I'm just going to sit back and listen. 
Please listen. Please listen. Please listen. He will, I guess we're on the fifth thing now, he will tell us what is yet to come. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to tell you the future of what is yet to come. Now, this, this, give me just a second. God is not limited by time and space. You and I, we are very finite. And we are limited by time and space. You are here. October, whatever today is, 25th. It is October 25th where you are. Unless you have a DeLorean, all day is going to be October the 25th. Okay? And you are here. And the only way you could not be here is you get in your vehicle and you travel somewhere else. God is not limited by those problems. So God knows the beginning and the end, and he wants to lead you into it. Now, we have an 18-year-old who's in college, and he's, he's making all these important decisions about majors and careers and all this kind of stuff, and he wants all the details. And so we, ha- we almost daily have this discussion. I don't believe God gives you all the details. It just doesn't work that way. See, it's like, I don't know if any of you guys ever work do construction kind of work, but before you build a house... There are, there's a big roll of plans. And you roll these babies out. And so I got the foundation plan. I got the plumbing plan. I got the electrical plan. Huge, big old pieces of paper that have all these plans. So before you move the first piece of dirt, you know exactly where the light switch is. The light switch is going to be right there because it says so on this plan. And we come to God and we're praying and we're asking God to give us the, elect, the architectural drawings of our entire life. And he doesn't. Okay, this is the way God does it. God, he draws a picture of the house. And he goes, okay, ready? I'm going to show you the future. Ready? Got it? <laughs> that was it? You're like, oh, oh. show it to me again. He's like, no, we're cool. No, but I want to know where the light switch is. No, we're cool. Just, just walk with me. Because what he wants is the relationship and the intimacy and the faithfulness. That's what he wants. You know, and I, I remember when our, one of our kids was yay high and we were walking through the mall and we were wanting to go to the toy store. Okay? Your parents, you may remember this back when we used to, people used to go to the mall all the time. It was a thing, but before Amazon. And so... Um, so we're walking through the store, and he's, you know, he's tugging me through the, through the, rather through the mall, you know, looking for the toy store. Where's the toy store? Where's the toy store? And we're, you know, and there's people everywhere, and you're passing all these little things. And we get to the place where he he can see five or six stores down the hallway. He can see the KB Toys store, and he lets go of my hand, and takes off running and my heart dropped it wasn't because I was afraid of losing him because I knew he was going to the toy store and nobody would want him (laughs) yeah just cause it would be real but I wasn't worried about that but it was like my heart dropped and I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me right that second and said that's how God feels when you rush ahead because you think you know where you're going Thank you. See, God is more interested in the relationship of holding your little four-year-old hand, walking you towards this destination, and arriving together. That is more important to him than rolling out the architectural plans and letting you do this all by yourself. He will guide you into your future just receive it so that number six you can glorify jesus the holy spirit works in you ultimately to glorify jesus through you okay that's what he wants to do everything that we do 
is to glorify Jesus, not just Sunday morning. It is a mistake to think that Sunday morning is when I glorify Jesus. You glorify Jesus all the time. That's what it's supposed to be about. Okay? Um, when I do weddings, I tell the little couple that they're, you know, they're all, and they don't remember anything, but you tell them anyway. Um, you are marrying a daughter of the Lord Most High. And when you minister to her, you're ministering to God's daughter. He loves her. Okay? Now, it's, it's blessed if we go and we feed the poor and help the sick, right? Is that, is that something, you know, you take care of the widows and the orphans and God, looks, God says, yep, that's great. Well, when you take care of your wife, when your wife comes home from work and you give her a foot rub, you are ministering and glorifying Jesus. You're ministering to Jesus. Everything that you do in your life should be glory. You drive your car in a way to glorify Jesus, even in Atlanta. Okay? You go to work not to get a paycheck, but to glorify Jesus. You study not to get a grade, but to glorify Jesus. Everything that you do is to glorify Jesus because the Holy Spirit wants to bring you through this whole process that I've been describing so that your life glorifies him. Right, I've, I'm convicted of my sin. I've repented of it. I, I realize that my righteousness is entirely from him. I don't, I'm not subject to judgment because I'm not walking in worldly ways. He guides me. He leads me into the future so that my life is an example that glorifies Jesus. And that's the Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus. It's, you just got to walk through these steps to get there. He wants you to glorify the Lord. Everything that you do is for him. Not just whether you raise your hands in church or not. God, I'm not really sure that's even relevant. Everything you do is about glorifying him. Now I started with Hosea. We're going to go back to Hosea. Why did Hosea's wife run back to the streets? Hosea's wife ran back to the streets because she didn't have a sense of belonging. She did not realize that the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the believing husband, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. She didn't realize that the righteousness of Hosea was for her to make her an honest woman, as it were. He wanted to work in her the same thing the Holy Spirit wants to work in you. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you out of your harlotry lifestyle and put you in a place where you are glorifying the Father, where you can receive the love from, this is weird for us as guys, but from your husband who is the Lord you can receive that love from him because you're not striving or living in shame. You can receive that love because he comes and says, I love you, and you're like, yes. I want to stay here with faithfulness. I want to stay here with intimacy. I want to be with you. I want, to be, I want your house to be my house. I want, to, I want your future to be my future. Is that making sense? And so she, the Hosea's wife, the prostitute, didn't have a spirit of adoption. She was still wandering out in the streets. And Father God sends you the Holy Spirit so that he can, he can give you that spirit of adoption and that your present day is not determined by your past days. I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, that's really good news. My present day and my future day is not determined by my past it's determined by my relationship with him who is free from time and space and who holds the future, who has purchased my past, who has blessed my present, and who has guided me towards a future. And that's the relationship that he wants you to walk in. And church, when we get this, 
when this becomes life to us, man, it changes everything. I hear from God in a way that is beautiful and edifying and glorifying because I'm not striving for it. My life is better because I can just, I can just trust him. I can relax and go, God's going to tell me what to do and I'm going to do that and it'll be beautiful. The spiritual gifts flow through my life in a way that's different because I'm not striving for it. I know that he wants that through me. I'm not begging him to do it. I'm not begging God, oh, please heal this person. I'm just saying, please use me to glorify you. Is this is making sense, guys? And so let Christ send you the advocate because it is absolutely to your advantage in every way possible. And I'm going to turn it back over to you, Mark, at this point because I really think that if we, if we take this to communion. I think the Holy Spirit's going to do some really cool stuff in your hearts here this morning. So. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.